This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv and streaming an audio at amiplus.ca. I'm Alex Smythe in for Dave. The tiny home movement is growing and it has made its way to New Brunswick. A project called 12 Neighbors is is the focus of the article featured on this week's edition of McLean's Magazine on AMI-audio. 12 Neighbors offers 240 square foot tiny homes. They're made in a massive 8,000 square foot donated warehouse. Don Dickinson has more on this story, and Don is the content curator for AMI-audio. Hello, Don. How are you doing today? Hi, Alex. I'm very well, thank you. Okay, so, Don, this first article is titled How uh, How One Canadian Tech Millionaire Built a Tiny Home Community by Sarah Tre- uh, Trelevin. We've talked about tiny homes back in December with the organization A Better Tent City, but how does 12 Neighbors differ from that initiative? Well, Alex, just to, for a little bit of background, 12 Neighbors is a planned community of tiny homes on the north bank of the St. John River, and it's designed um, to get the city's growing unhoused population off the streets. Um, and... Uh, and also with very few strings attached. Uh, The miniature town was the brainstorm of Marcel Lebrun, a software engineer turned multimillionaire. And the thing that struck me, Alex, more than anything when I was uh, reading this really incredible story is the fact that this this uh, whole project is really one man's focused vision. Uh, It's really distinguished by the fact that he just decided he was going to do this and he wanted this kind of no-strings-attached uh, 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 philosophy, and he went out and partnered with other people, and he just did it, you know? And it just goes to show, um, you know, like I, I started a charity myself 30 years ago. It takes an awful lot of work, and I think, uh, you know, I, I am so in awe of this man. Well, and tell me a bit more about, like, who is Marcel Lebrun and, and why did he feel compelled to take on this initiative and, and uh, pursue this philanthropic, uh, philanthropic uh, endeavor? Well, he's a very unique individual in that he's not really into the whole uh, wealth for the sake of wealth. He's not into the big yachts and all the rest of it. He's not hes not what you would call your Musk or your <laughs> Bezos kind of guy, right? he He's very modest. He, uh, he basically says that, you know, he was given... He, he, the quote was, I won the parent lottery, I won the education lottery, I won the country lottery. So he knows what he was given just by by birth, right? And, you know, that's what I tell my boys. I mean, you were born in a great country and, and you know, you have all the advantages. So he, he takes that philosophy. And so when he made his money, and he made an awful lot of money, Alex, an awful lot of money. Um, he decided that he was going to do something really worthwhile, and he wanted to do something obviously for the local community. Uh, and uh, th- and this was the the result. Uh, you know, he he was a very 
Um, you know, like he grew up in Cornwall, Ontario, and he was a, you know, French Canadian Catholic kid in a small Anglo town. He was not, you know, he had a very Canadian kind of upbringing and he just didn't kind of buy into the, you know, the big yachts and all the rest of it. He wanted to do something with his money that was really meaningful. Well, and, and so this article that uh, you are highlighting, it, it covers all sorts of angles when it comes to the tiny home movement. And you, you did bring a clip from the show with you today. And in, in this section, though, it, it considers some of the general concerns around tiny homes and, and what they may be. So why don't we take a listen? Tiny home projects can be controversial. As with encampments, shelters, and safe injection sites, local residents and neighbours sometimes worry about an uptick in crime and, occasionally, a hit to their own property values. In Hamilton, Ontario, a 25-cabin community planned for the city's north end was nixed last October after sending off vicious infighting and threats of violence among advocates and city residents. Others worry that lumping dozens of previously unhoused people into a single, identifiable plot of land can lead to further ostracism. And so that was a clip from this week's edition of McLean Magazine, which was read by Michael Wiley. And, John, so there are rules when it comes to the tiny home communities that uh, folks need to follow. But, like, what are uh, some of these rules and what is being done for their safety? Well, uh, as you heard in the clip, there are many objections, and the great thing about it was that he really took into account these objections long before he decided that he was going to make this a reality. So he he partnered with a lot of people. He talked to a lot of uh, uh, support uh, kind of um, agencies in the area. And basically, when it came down to it, he wanted a, a place where there were few rules. Um, but there are f uh, some. Uh, you must be relatively physically independent. Um, there are accessible units, but um, they're obviously much fewer. Uh, you must maintain control over uh, your home and avoid creating an unsafe environment. And when residents expressed concern about safety, uh, LeBrun decided that he was going to hire a night guard and install a security gate. So he's one of these guys that's really responsive and he he doesn't, you know, he doesn't sugarcoat things. He 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 sat down with the local agencies and and as I say the local companies and said, "Yeah, we know there are objections as the clip, uh, you know, the audio clip had stated." Uh, um and he wanted to address all of them, but he wanted to address them in such a way that, you know, right from the start the community was a success. And so for folks at home who want to learn more about the 12 neighbors uh, initiative, they can visit 12neighbors.com. That is with the number 12. Don, you had another uh, article from McLean's that still stays within the theme of, of housing. And so this next one is all about renovations, specifically when it comes to the city of Hamilton, which has become the first city to enforce an anti-renovictions policy. And for those who don't know, renovations are when the landlord evicts a tenant by claiming they will complete major renovations on the unit. Now, this article did a great job laying out, you know, some of the figures. But what has the state of rentals been like in terms of Hamilton, which is going to be where I'm soon going to be calling home <laughs> as I, I become a renter? What, what did the article lay out as the figures? Yeah, well, you really have a personal interest in this, Alex. Um, 
I thought it was really good to kind of pair these two articles together, you know, to show the 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 the, the sides of the stories, right? I mean, Hamilton has seen astronomical uh, skyrocketing increases in the price of housing, rentals, uh, as well as ownership, um, from um, 700 on average a month for the one bedroom in 2019, all the way up to uh, 1500 by the end of 2023. Uh, landlords are literally doubling their profits on a monthly basis. So something had to be done. And so what laws were, uh, what laws have been in place within Ontario that allowed a landlord or uh, to perform or claim that they were doing a renovation? Okay, so under Ontario law, renters can move back to the same unit at the same price they were paying before. But many people, and I mean the majority, aren't aware that they can exercise that right. Landlords often then rent out the renovated units at a uh, much higher, um, at newer price, obviously. So really what it is, is it, it's an education on the side of the Pay attention here, Alex, uh, the <laughs> renter, to know that if you do get this uh, dreaded N13 eviction notice, that, um, you know, there there are um, things that the landlord has to abide by. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's always the, uh, seems to be the common uh, thing that people aren't aware of, as you mentioned, because oftentimes if this is the case and the landlord then comes to you and says, yeah, you can come back in, but I'm going to charge you more money. So the fact that there are laws on the books that, no, you are allowed to come back to the space at the same price is very important to know. Now, uh, Hamilton City Councilor Narendra Nan addressed this situation, but how did he do that? Well, Nan partnered with Hamilton's branch of ACORN, okay, and uh, that's an organization advocating for the rights of low-income people, and began pushing for an anti-renoviction bylaw modeled after policies already deployed in places like British Columbia. Uh, finally, after five years of advocacy, it passed in January, and under the new bylaw, anyone issued an N13 will be required to apply, uh, sorry, anyone issuing meaning the landlord, uh, and N13 will be required to apply for a renovation permit. The application will require landlords to share information about the scope of the work and the number of units involved. So in other words, it makes landlords uh, more accountable mm-hmm. for what for what they're going to be doing, and, uh, and that hopefully will uh, help the problem. Uh, yeah, and if nothing else, it, it provides clarity and transparency on uh, the the process that they would be undertaking, not that it's just a landlord saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a major renovation when very little ends up being done and they just try to uh, up the rents on on either their their former tenants or potentially new tenants. So uh, that's great work. Don, thank you so much uh, for bringing these articles forward. It's always lovely to chat with you. So have yourself a wonderful day. Okay, and and happy relocating in Hamilton. (laughs) Thank you very much, Don. That was Don Dickinson, who is a content curator with AMI-audio, and McLean's Magazine airs uh, weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio. Coming up after the break, a new advocacy campaign is calling on the government to fully fund the Canada Disability Benefit. Neil Hetherington from the Daily Bread Food Bank tells you all about it. You're watching now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.
Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.